Welcome back to the First and 32 podcast with Normal and Josh. This week, we are recapping week three, a lot of big games, and then looking ahead to week four. Josh, how are we doing? I'm doing, I'm doing great. Another week of us being spoiled once again. Just what, what a Sunday night game we got. We're, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that, we'll talk about that and so much more. A lot of big games and a lot of big games to look forward to. So stay tuned for that for some some cutting edge analysis from me and Josh. Mostly from me. I don't know so much about Nerm, but. Oh, okay. I mean, whatever, man. Just call me out like that, I guess. <laughs> All right. So we look back now to the Thursday night game, Carolina and Houston. Josh, what'd you see? My biggest takeaway from this game was the play of Davis Mills. Facing that elite Carolina defense, yeah. he didn't commit a turnover all game. I don't I don't know if we just underrated this Houston offensive core as a whole, but to, to me, Tyrod and Davis looked outstanding in the three games that they played this year. Uh, Houston is really surprising me. Carolina thought they were all right. It wasn't really Donald's best game, but he did a solid job managing. He's going to need to definitely play better this week versus Dallas, though. Um, and with Carolina... I'll say one thing. I really think they're already regretting signing Robbie Anderson to that extension because, wow, Terrace Marshall has looked outstanding. I'll tell you one thing. I regret drafting so damn high uh, <laughs> in uh, my fantasy teams. But, yeah, looking at Houston, I just wrote down Brandon Cooks is just always good, like no matter what. Any situation, any quarterback, that guy just performs. Like, it's unbelievable. You, we thought when he got traded from the Rams – the Texans who might have been like end of career like he's stuck in a bad situation now but like look at him go like he continues to put up numbers and then Darnold I I have said he looked okay as well but one thing I'll say if this becomes his okay game I like his chances moving forward because look, compared to the Jets he's still playing like way better but you know I expected him to come out especially after CMC got hurt, I expect him to come out absolutely firing against a defense like this. And really he didn't, he wasn't great. He was all right. I, I'd agree with that. Um, I, I think there's something to say about when you lose your best player, you're going to kind of be flat after that. Um, I'm interested to see how they look against Dallas where they have a week to game plan, a more pass heavy approach because you're going to have to against that offense. And uh, yeah, I, I'm hopeful that Donald's able to rise to the occasion. Can we talk about that Carolina trade for a second uh, for CJ Henderson? I'm curious to hear what you think about that. Oh yeah. I honestly completely forgot about that. What is Jacksonville doing? I don't, I don't know. Do you remember last year, week one, CJ Henderson? I think, I think they played the Colts. Wow. He looked outstanding. He locked down T Y Hilton. He looked like the next up and coming lockdown corner. I was so high on him coming out of the draft, you know, such a good cover corner. My conference was Jair Alexander. I remember last year when they played green Bay, he actually held his own against Devonte Adams. And you can do that as a rookie. I mean, corner is a tough transition into the NFL. Absolutely. You go cover, covering college wide receivers. 90% of them aren't ever going to see a snap in the NFL to go and covering guys like Devonte Adams holding your own. I, I'll be shocked if CJ Henderson is, is not a star in Carolina. Yeah, what was it, Dan Arnold in a third? Yeah. Like, that's ludicrous for a former first-rounder. It's not even a first-rounder who hasn't performed. This is more on Jacksonville, I feel like, because he still has all the potential in the world. I agree with everything you said there. Yeah, I don't think so much it was a performance issue. What I heard, it was they kind of both wanted a fresh start, as well as Urban Meyer kind of said his availability always wasn't there, and which is fair. He only 
has played, I think, 10 of a possible 19 games. But I, there's no way I would have given up on talent like that after just over one year. See, I have a hard time believing that 31 other teams would have either. This is becoming a perennial Jacksonville issue. Like, how many guys have won it out now? Yeah, it's true. Like, you're talking about Ramsey, Fowler. Oh, this is farther back. Going across regimes now, it's not a good look for that franchise. I mean, do, do you blame those guys? I mean, really? Well, no, but I think that speaks to you need to be better run. And, like, obviously it's more of a player's first league. I know Coughlin wasn't really ready to accept that. Urban Meyer, the worry was, like, you don't, you don't have as much control. These aren't college kids anymore. These are professionals. You need to treat them differently. So I'm interested to see if this happens again. Looking forward, though, um, next week, I think uh, Jacksonville has uh, Cincinnati. I don't think they're going to win that game either. But moving on, Casey and the Chargers played, oh, I'd say it was a weird game. Um, Casey didn't seem too interested in winning. Uh, what did you see? Uh, all I have to say is, wow, Justin Herbert is a freak. Oh, absolutely. I, I really don't think, honestly, there's much separation between even him and Mahomes. I, I remember arguing with Browns fans at the start of the year when all of them were trying to tell me Baker Mayfield was better than Justin Herbert. It, it's, <laughs> not, it's not even close. We're seeing now what Justin Herbert can do with a good offensive line, with a healthy Austin Eckler, and it's it's insane. To be fair, though, when you go on Twitter, you're there for violence and violence only. Oh, abs- an a- absolutely. I go looking for it, and it finds me very quickly. I feel like you just, like, tweet, you just, like, look up somebody's name, like, uh, sort by latest tweet, and, like, hit reply, like, the first stupid one you see. Absolutely. Um, for me, I will say, Brandon Staley is really impressing me as far as, like, like going on that fourth down and nine, super gutsy, perfect play call for how that game was going. But I will say, for looking at KC, because I think you covered the charges there pretty well. Herbert looks amazing. That dude just like you're waiting for him to miss a throw, and he just doesn't. It's it's something to watch for sure. But for KC, I think they need to go back to basics a little bit. Way too many turnovers. Like let's be real, you lost by six in a game that you lost a turnover battle four to zero. Like. There's room for improvement there. Like, you're at home against a division rival. You'd hope they would have been more up for that game. One of the intercepts, Mahomes threw. He tried to do another, like, no-look, look-off type passes. Throw like throw it properly. The guy yeah. was open. He probably would have scored. Like, come on. But uh, I agree. Chargers look good. That division looks un- unreal. Like, both the uh, Western divisions and both conferences look great. But uh, I think KC has a long way to go now. I will say one thing, though, I did like about Kansas City. I really like to see them get back to uh, vintage Andy Reid style football. And they pounded Clyde Edwards Alaire all day long. And he had by far his best game of the year. Right. But do you think those fumble issues were you at all? No, I don't think so. I think fumbling is a thing that we see it happen with guys year to year. Adrian Peterson had that problem earlier in his career. I mean, Zeke had it last year. Chris Carson had it two years ago. It doesn't worry me. Right. I, I agree. But I, even if you don't, run the ball even if they continue with that like the run pass picks that they've been having the last like year and a half two years you can play a whole lot better than this like you look i feel like they look back at this game and they're like wow we really let that one get away and the charges for sure capitalized all right so to the next game now my uh, upset of the week that didn't really pan out the cardinals and the jaguars josh what'd you think yeah, I mean, your upset was looking pretty good for a while there. Right? Jackson, I was so Jackson, excited for a bit. Yeah, Jacksonville had the lead at half after that field got, got returned for a touchdown. But um, 
you know, not the greatest game, I think, for the Arizona offense. Uh, we kind of they didn't really seem to kind of get any rhythm going. Kyler Murray wasn't very impressive. We kind of saw this last year where their offense feels like they're almost running in place or they're just, you know, spinning their wheels. But really impressive game, I thought, from Jacksonville on defense. You know, they limited DeAndre Hopkins to just three catches for 21 yards. Kyler didn't have a single passing touchdown, only 19 yards on the ground. Um, I thought this was definitely also Trevor Lawrence's best game of the season. Uh, that pick six, yeah, it's a rookie mistake. Those are going to happen. But, uh, you know, he shows me enough flashes where I know he's going to be just fine once there's enough talent surrounding him. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'll start with uh, Trevor Lawrence. I like. I see the flashes as well. One thing I'll say, a lot of people on Twitter are kind of overreacting to this slow start for him. You can definitely tell he's kind of testing the limits of what he can get away with. He's like really like he's being super aggressive in a lot of spots, which I mean, it's bad because he threw a pick six, but it's good because in the future that'll probably work out better for him, knowing what he's going to learn this year. Um, I will say, but the Arizona offense, I am worried about them against good teams. Like I'm legitimately concerned that against like a top 15, top 10, especially top five defense. I don't know if they'll be able to put up the points that they've been put up the first three weeks. They have not played a good defense yet. No, I know. We'll see what happens when they got to play. I mean, look at their division rivals with San Francisco and the Rams. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of hype right now, but I agree. There's a lot of flashes of the uh, last year's Cardinals down the stretch where I was like, is this offense really that well coached? Because I felt like Kyler was carrying them in spots. Going back to Jacksonville for a second here. I mean, what a day for James Robinson on the ground. He's yeah. really picked it up after that slow week one. This is just making that ETN pick look worse and worse by the day. I mean, James Robinson's the only superstar that this team really has. And, you know, you want to know why Dak was so successful from day one in the NFL? Because of Zeke. Zeke. And he always had the best offensive line in the league. He didn't have, when he entered the league, there was no Amari Cooper. There was no CeeDee Lamb. There was no Michael Gallup. There was an elite offensive line and an elite running game. Jaguars already have the elite running game. Now, I don't want to see them spend any other draft capital on any position besides the old line. Who cares if your defense sucks? Your most important thing now should just be developing Trevor properly. Oh, I agree. With the, especially with the Etienne pick. I mean, look at him and Caleb on chase on. Jaguars fans, that's how you traded for Jalen Ramsey. And I don't know if you watched Jalen Ramsey on Sunday. I'd take him over those two players any day of the week, twice on Sunday. Uh, moving on now to the Browns and the Bears game. Uh, Josh, what do you think about Fields' first start? You know, he, I don't think he was put in a very good position to succeed. His O-line did him no favors. He had just 2.4 seconds from the snap to the, for time to throw the ball, which was second worst this week only to Zach Wilson. Montgomery did nothing on the ground. His receivers weren't getting much separation. But I am going to put a little bit of blame on Justin Fields because his inability to effectively sense pressure is the same thing we saw at Ohio State. Difference being at Ohio State and in college, he's the most athletic and he's probably the fastest player on the field. You're in the NFL now. You got Miles Garrett breathing down your neck. That You're not going to get away with that. He needs to fix it. He needs to fix it fast or we might have another Carson Wentz on our hands. Yeah. Um, didn't learn much about the Browns in this game. I mean, I think the same as them coming out as I did coming in. 
but I told you at the Bears, Twitter kind of seemed to pile on Matt Nagy, and I'm all for that because Matt Nagy is not a good coach. But today, it wasn't all him. Of course, he didn't put like his game plan wasn't great, but it wasn't the reason they looked that bad. With you, the O line looked abysmal, like so bad. No receivers getting any any separation. But I agree, Fields did not play good. He was he was airmailing a couple passes. Like I don't care how bad of an offense you have. Like usually a quarterback who's ready to play will go better than six or twenty, and that's just the end. Of, that's just the end of it, really. So I still feel like he can be good in the future, but he's clearly not ready yet. And then what's this whole thing Nagy says now that Fields, Dalton, and Foles are in the mix to start this week? You're gonna let your rookie go out there have one of the worst showings we've ever seen from a rookie quarterback. Then you're gonna say we've lost confidence in you, and you're getting thrown on the bench now. What do you think that does to him mentally? Oh, it's not a good look. I feel like he's, I think Nagy's panicking now because I feel like he's really in danger of losing his job in the next couple of weeks. I know like the Bears are historically make those decisions kind of late as far as like firing coaches moving on, but it's not looking good. Just and at all, at all, this handling fields, just the overall team. Like there's still some talent on defense. They're not playing good. It's just, it's about to be a, feel like a complete blow up and rebuild in Chicago. Moving on now to, uh, to me, one of the more surprising results in uh, week three as far as the margin of victory, uh, Buffalo and uh, the Washington football team. Josh, what did you see? Not a lot to say in terms of this game. Buffalo, I mean, Josh Allen's breakout game after his slow yeah. start. Um, backfield was a mess. I mean, we saw Singletary dominate the touches in the first two weeks. Well, it, today was, uh, or, excuse me, it was Zach Moss on Sunday. Um, still kind of waiting on that Stefan Digg explosion, you know, another quiet game. But, I mean, Washington's D really has not impressed me at all. We all expected this to be one of the best defenses in the league. And it's one thing to get picked apart by Josh Allen, but to be picked apart like they were by Daniel Jones in week two is kind of concerning. And they need to be better. Chase Young doesn't even have a sack. Yeah, I agree. With, especially the Washington defense, Josh Allen kind of responded to those uh, Josh Allen uh, regression uh, truthers on Twitter, and uh, I was probably one of them, but played really well, basically back in last year's form. Their defense for Washington, it's it's disappointing. I agree. I honestly thought after that Giants game that Daniel Jones was just better because I had such high expectations in the way I thought of the Washington defense, and I'm kind of questioning, like, what, like, how good were they really? Was it a matter of circumstance? Like, what's changed since last year? I guess, you know what, I guess Jamin Davis isn't saving that defense like they thought they would. It's almost like it's almost like a couple of guys predicted that, didn't they? Oh, yeah. It's almost like one of them got flamed on Twitter for it. Yeah. Well, that would be being me since I'm the I'm the I'm the Twitter troll out of the two of us. So, yeah, I just I just like shit. I, I never <laughs> tweet anything. It's always you who uh, goes and ignites a, ignites a debate. But uh, we were right. Like most times. Take note, we are right most of the time. Uh, moving on to Tennessee and Indy, a pretty meh game to me. Josh, what do you think? I did not like how Frank Wright managed this game whatsoever. This was a close game. Basically till the very end, Jonathan Taylor had 10 carries for 64 yeah. yards. You need to get back to what the Colts were doing in the second half of last year when they had Phillip Rivers as their quarterback and they were pounding the ball 20 times a game with Jonathan Taylor. Um, I saw, you know, AJ Brown went down early, 
then I'm kind of assuming Julio went down with his own injury because it was a close game. And for Julio to be on the sidelines like that, there's obviously something going on there. So the Titans might be down their top two receivers now. Yeah. I with you there. It's not even like, I know your complaint for a while has been that Jonathan Taylor's not getting enough of the share of carries too many carries are going to Hines or Mac when healthy it's, they only ran the ball. What was it? Like, 18 times this game like you can't be doing that with a quarterback with two sprained ankles and especially with the deep on against the defense that's not good like make no mistake tennessee's defense of course they let up 16 points against a right now a dreadful offense so don't take the wrong thing away from this game indy lost this game to me more than tennessee won it all right moving on now to new orleans and new england josh what do you think about the game up in foxborough I think this is exactly how you have to play the Patriots. The Saints D said, we're going to take Damian Harris and your running game out of the equation. Mac Jones, you beat us with your arm and you beat us with those self-par wide receivers. And honestly, <laughs> he, he, can't, he can't do it. He does not have the talent to do it. And these wide receivers do not strike enough fear into defenses either. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, I will say quickly on for the Saints is that balanced attack where like it's, Jameis throwing a lot of short passes and like a heavy dose of the running game is definitely the formula for them to win. You you want 30 carries like as a team, like get Kamara heavily involved, like let your playmakers make the plays because we know if you force Winston to do too much, he will turn the ball over like last week, but over the Patriots, I agree. The Saints came up to this perfect game plan. If Mac Jones throws the ball 51 times for 270 yards and is also your leading rusher, the Patriots are not going to win a lot. That's the end of the story. (laughs) When when you're asking a guy who I think me and you can agree, not the highest ceiling in the world. Yeah. We kind of said Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins. When you're asking that guy to start from day one, you can't expect much out of him. You cannot expect to have much success. Like, I really think they should have rolled with Cam. Maybe Cam doesn't have that elite arm like he once did. Guess what? Mac Jones doesn't either. At least Cam still has the elite legs. Yeah, it's that offense is flat. Um it's not a good way to go into next week's game, that's for sure. Uh, moving on to Atlanta and the Giants. Josh, what do you think about the ending there? I really expected the Giants to break out this game after yeah. seeing what they did against Washington, seeing how well Daniel Jones played. I called that this being Saquon's breakout game, and they kind of fell flat on their face, honestly. Saquon was 16 of 51 on the ground, so... I told myself if Saquon did not break out this week, it's panic time. And um, if you cannot produce against the Atlanta defense, I really don't think he can do it this year. I don't think he's fully – he must not be fully healthy. I mean, he scored a touchdown. That was cool. <laughs> I'm worried about him going forward as well. It's all – we go back – to the draft when he was taken, it's what's the merit of taking a running back at number two? You're seeing now there's not a lot, especially if there's not a lot around him, even if he was the most supremely talented, supremely gifted. And he has some of those gifts, but he says, yeah, he's not performing right now. Um, I thought the Giants missed a big opportunity for, uh, for like a get-right game, like you said. And uh, they have the hardest remaining schedule in the league now. So tough sledding for the Giants. We'll look at another top 10 pick. And uh, this is almost like a uh, common on both teams but this is the game of the underutilized underperforming uh florida gators with uh, uh with tony and uh pitts they're not really doing much so far 
Yeah, wow. Kadarius Tony just looks absolutely terrible. Like, I think the Giants lost a couple of receivers in this game to injury. And I believe the offensive coordinator came out and said, Kadarius Tony might get additional playing time. Might. He had two catches for 16 yards, yeah. which brings him to like four catches for 14 yards. He had negative receiving yards going into this game. Like with Yeah, with Pitts, though, I mean, I expected him to honestly come out of the gate and shatter all the rookie tight end records, eclipse a thousand yards. But this Atlanta offense, I know they lost Julio, but Julio was kind of banged out most of last year anyways. Yeah. Like, like Calvin Ridley's off to a slow start. Pitts is off to a slow start. I wish that maybe they would get Mike Dave, Mike Davis more touches. I'm a big Mike Davis fan. I thought he was he was great last year when he was filling in for McCaffrey. I agree. I mean, especially with Arthur, Arthur Smith, I'm surprised by the pass run balance. Only 19 carries by running backs. I could I consider Patterson a running back. Um, you'd think it would be more coming from Tennessee because I was really excited to see Matt Ryan back in this play action based system. It's too much drop back passing. Of course they won, but it shows the giants aren't very good, but yeah. Um, I was on the other side of the pits expectation spectrum. Let's say you usually see tight ends break out year two, year three. I think it was too much to put on him to expect him to break every record in the book. My, my reasoning for that is, well, not only his talent, but I felt opportunity was obviously on his side, vacating all of Julio's targets. Obviously, Calvin Ridley's going to soak up a lot of that, but there's really not a good number two wide receiver in this offense. That's true. I think they could do more to scheme for him for sure, but at the same time, expecting him to go like, it felt like some people wanted to go like 1,400 yards this year. That, to me, was never really on the table. Moving on now to a divisional matchup, the Bengals and the Steelers. Josh, what did you see? Yeah, Ben is washed. He's done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Steelers screwed up so hard taking Najee Harris in the first round, just like we said, uh, just like that person I argued with on Twitter. <laughs> they completely sidestepped every single issue by not addressing the O-line in the first round, or even, I believe, the second round for that matter. I believe they took Pat Fryermuth when they had yep. Eric Ebron already. Um, they thought a workhorse like Najee would just – step in, carry their offense, and, you know, really just fix all their problems, which obviously could not be further from the truth. Yeah, I am with you there. Like, I feel bad for Najee Harris. I was obviously higher on him than uh, you were, but, like, there's only so much you can do against a bad old line. It's You're expecting him to be prime Steven Jackson out there, and he's clearly not that yet. I get, I get that. But whether you have a bad offensive line or not, Austin Eckler had a bad offensive line last year. Joe Mixon had a bad offensive line last year. He went 14 for 40, 2.9 YPC against the Bengals. Oh, I know. I have him on my fantasy team. I'm aware. I'm aware about how his stat line looks like. Um, I'll just say that I feel like in, in a better situation, because right now his situation is terrible. When your quarterback, he had Claypool like wide open and he underthrew him. Claypool had like stopped to catch that ball. Did you see that? Like, did you see that ball? I didn't was... see that. No. Oh yeah. Like it's one of the ones that's on Steelers Twitter right now that they're kind of pointing to like, Oh look, big bank can still throw deep. Claypool damn near stopped to catch the ball. Don't it's he's, I get it. He's been on the franchise a long time, done a lot of great things, Super Bowls, the whole thing, but it's time to move on. And uh, moving forward to the jets and the Broncos, one of those games you kind of knew were going to be lopsided, but and it was. Uh, Josh, what did you see? Yeah, another uh, another tough game for Zach Wilson. 
but as I mentioned earlier with Justin Fields, uh, Zach Lowest had the uh, lowest amount of time from the snap to defender in his face, 1.9 seconds in between. That was the lowest of all quarterbacks in week three. Um, you know, Denver has an elite defense all around. The Jets offensive line's banged up. They're missing Mackay Becton. One positive I will take away from the offense, very happy to see Michael Carter get more work. Very happy to see that oh, yeah. he's moved atop the depth chart. And you know who impressed me was the Jets run defense. They held Melvin Gordon to just 3.4 yards of carry. Javante Williams to only 2.4. My boy Quinnen Williams was disruptive all day. Really very was. impressed. Very impressed by that. Yeah, I agree. I think one thing I want to point out was, uh, to your point about Zach Wilson having no time, uh, Greg Van Roten, probably one of the worst starting linemen in the league, threw Zach Wilson under the bus after the game. I don't know why he got his own press conference, first of all. That was kind of weird. But come on, man. Like, take some responsibility. He's a rookie. This is going to happen. He's going to try to make the big play. That's what he did in college. That's not how you handle a situation like this. And it's, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not on that roster in short order. I, com- I completely agree that um, that's not the way you handle that situation. You don't let that get out to the media. You keep that internal. Maybe you just tap Zach Wilson on the shoulder in the locker room and just say, hey, we kind of think, you know, just offering some advice. We think maybe you need to get rid of the ball sooner. You don't go out to the media and blast your quarterback like that. Well, absolutely. Like, sure. Like the, that awareness, like to know the situation, how the game's going, that'll come with like more experience, more snaps. But yeah, that's like the absolute worst way to handle it. Not even a bad way. It's just like you couldn't do that any worse. Uh, moving on to one of the surprise good games to me of the weekend, the Dolphins visiting the Raiders. Josh, what did you see from that one? Yeah, it's a good game. Good game all around. Uh, I thought Derek Carr had a solid game. Uh, actually, not such a great game for Miami's defense. We all kind of no. expected to be one of the more elite units this year. They let Peyton Barber run wild on them. So, like, yeah. you know, you know, you have problems when Peyton Barber's embarrassing you. Um, you know, Brissett was solid. That's about what you can expect from him. But I, I really think the Dolphins do need a quarterback. They are really one of those teams like Denver who are a quarterback away from legit Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, it's not surprising on the Dolphins front that they continue to be the only team that's really seriously linked to Des- uh, Deshaun Watson at this point, kind of pending his legal stuff. But I agree. I mean, the Dolphins, beside, on defense at least, besides that pick six that took at least like 20 seconds to happen, that was probably the slowest pick six I've ever seen, um, were, they were bad. Um, you, you expected more, I agree. Especially after last year, they had games against like the Rams where they were suffocating, they were dominant, and just you don't see that type of potential anymore. And on the uh, Raiders' side, I totally agree. Besides that pick six, Carr was really good. I think he's top five NB- MVP candidate thus far the season. And you've got to be happy with how Brian Edwards is playing right now. He's living up to the bill of making big plays when it counts. He is. And you know what? Ruggs has been a pleasant surprise this year as well. Oh, absolutely. Still, he's, he's still no Lammer Judy, but and Mike Mayock still deserves to be fired. Let's not get that twisted. I don't care if the three, and know, fire his ass. Well, Gruden's saving me his job right now. You know what's happening, right? <laughs> he's not getting fired now unless they collapse down the stretch. Moving on to going into it, the uh, game of the week, the Rams at home against the Buccaneers. Of course, I have a lot to say about this game, but Josh, I'll let you go first as always. I thought the Rams, I was worried about them coming into this game just after the way they played against the Colts in week two. But wow, Matthew Stafford definitely rose to the occasion. He was absolutely surgical all game. Cup had another monster game. We even saw Deshaun Jackson get involved. And 
Let me tell you one thing. Deshaun Jackson doesn't look like he's missed a step. That guy could still go out there and probably run a 4-3. Um, but my biggest concern with this game and my biggest takeaway was that Tampa secondary is really starting to worry me. That's three weeks in a row. They've been lit up by opposing wide receivers. You remember Amari yeah. and, and CeeDee Lamb at week one. Uh, Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley had really strong weeks against them. And now Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby have big games against them. And obviously these guys are worried now too, as they've now they've reached out to Richard Sherman. Yeah. I'll start with the uh, Bucks defense. I'm concerned about their front four. Yes. They didn't have JPP for this game, but even first two weeks, even when he was there, that front four is not getting nearly the amount of pressure that they were getting last year down the stretch and in the playoffs. Cause I feel like even when healthy, the secondary, unless they make an addition, is not that good, was a little bit overrated. I feel like that front four created a lot, a lot of opportunity. Um, Devin White, I think, had a bad game. Um, he, was, he was in the wrong gap a lot. He was kind of lost in the middle of the field, but he kind of made up for it with his athleticism a little bit, but overall not his best performance. But turning over to the Rams, of course I believed. I have to believe. I'm a Rams fan. But I did not expect Stafford to play the way he did, especially after that slow start. He really impressed me how he settled in. Cup was unstoppable. That, like, dig out and, like, back in and then back out route was insane. Um, and I was really happy with how they performed overall. Yeah, you know, even even Sony Michelle, I thought, had a solid game against – that's a very strong run defense, completely eliminated Zeke in week one. And I thought he had a very solid game. Oh, absolutely. Um I know most, if you like look at the box score, you'll say both teams had bad rushing games. It wasn't the best rushing game for the Rams. The Rams were still able to run the ball within their offense where it felt like every time Tampa Bay run, ran the ball, it was a wasted down. So like, yes, there wasn't a lot of yards involved, but the Rams uh, run, run offense was definitely more functional in this game. I'm curious what your thoughts are on Daryl Henderson. It sounds like he'll be back this week. What, what do you want out of the Rams rushing attack? Honestly, I've been really impressed with Michelle's uh, pass pro. I want a 50-50 split. That's how you keep Daryl Henderson on the field. It, you saw in this down the stretch of that Indianapolis Colts game where he got hurt. They're feeding him carries, and then he got hurt. It's what we've seen time and time again with him so far in his career. So I don't think we can depend on him to be the lead back anymore. Moving on now to Seattle and Minnesota, which was like it felt like there was two different games within that game. Seattle started fast and then disappeared josh what'd you say yeah i mean after that fast start after that touchdown to dk i just felt that they just couldn't find any rhythm and it wasn't the greatest game for russell but even worse than that was their defense was absolutely horrendous they look worse than last year that's back-to-back -back, that's back-to-back -back games now where running backs have just embarrassed them and Derrick Henry went for 182 on the ground week two and 55 through the air. Derrick Henry's lucky to get maybe a hundred receiving yards in a season yeah. and he goes for 55 against you. And then this week, Madison goes for 112 on the ground, 60 through the air. Could you imagine if Dalvin Cook had played? What would he have gone for 200 on the ground and a hundred through the air? Oh yeah. It would have been ridiculous. Um, I agree. The Seattle defense is bad. Um, I think it might be time to have a larger conversation about John Schneider and the way he's building this team because instead of addressing the issues that because there's widespread, he's trying to cover it up with a big acquisition in the same vein that you uh, traded for uh, Percy Harvin, for example. You bring in something like Jamal Adams where like, yes, he's a good player, but he can't do everything because there's still like those corners are not good. 
Um, the line, like Jordan Brooks is playing okay. Like Wagner is really carrying that defense in the middle. They're really missing KJ Wright. And their D-line's not really doing anything. I don't know what you think about that, but that's where I'm at right now. You know, I'm of the exact same opinion with John Schneider as you. I've been calling for his firing for a very long time. John Schneider's name carries a lot of reputations because basically of two drafts, 2011 when they got Richard Sherman in the fifth round, 2012 when they got Bobby Wagner in the second, Russell in the third. He has done pretty much nothing since then. DK fell into your lap in 2019. That pick really, to me, did not rec- – it's not like John Schneider went out and found this diamond in the rough. He literally fell in your lap. What has he done in between those? And I will even say that they they overpaid both in contract and in trade value for Jamal Adams. Because if you break it down, the Seahawks gave up the same amount for Jamal Adams as the Rams gave up for Matthew Stafford. They gave up their starting – existing starting player at, the, uh, player at that position, plus two first. And I don't know if the Seahawks gave up a third, but the Rams did. So, like, that's not how you value a safety. Safeties are not that valuable. Yes, he's really good, but you have so many other holes. And he just, instead of failing like failing to address them, Pete Carroll, who's supposed to be this defensive coach, is, a failing, is failing to coach them up. So I don't know where the Seahawks stand right now at one and two. No, I agree, I agree with your take on Jamal Adams because I believe Minka Fitzpatrick was only traded for one first-round pick. Yeah, If I'm not mistaken, he is undoubtedly a better safety than Jamal Adams is. I don't even think that's arguable. Yeah, because he can make all those plays in the box, and he can cover. Jamal Adams is not a good coverage player. He's better on the line of scrimmage, where Minka can do both. Moving on to what turned out to be the game of the week, I think it wasn't as close as the scoreboard said, but what an ending by Rodgers. What did you think of that Green Bay game? It was a nice win for Green Bay. Uh, felt like they were facing the 49ers as well as the refs in this game. But, <laughs> yeah. um but no, really bad start to the game for Jimmy G. Um, I really thought we were going to see Trey Lance start the second half, but hey, hats off to Jimmy. He really picked it up in the second half. Um, we saw that clown, Mike, uh, excuse me. We saw the clown, Kyle Shanahan, insist on <laughs> using Kyle Juszczyk over Trey Sermon to start the game. But it was nice to see Brandon Ayuk finally arrive. It was nice to see Kittle break out. But man, I feel Jimmy is on the absolute shortest of short leashes right now. Yeah, Um I think that Jimmy bought himself time with his play and then also how Justin Fields played. I think that kind of gave him a little bit longer a leash because I feel like Kyle Shannon doesn't want to look like look bad by Lance struggling in the same vein that uh, Fields did. Um, I'll say this. Green Bay, if they lost this game, would have been completely on them. I feel like they took the foot off the gas. Of course, you get your the wins taken out of, the, uh, out of your sails a little bit when uh, Devontae Adams gets just like – I don't even know how to describe that hit. That was so dirty. That was like a helmet to underneath the chin. Like, I don't know, understand how you don't call that, but it felt like they let the Niners back into this game. I still have major questions about their pass defense. And, uh, but hey, what can you say? All, all that said, all those things going against them, Aaron Rodgers made it happen with 37 seconds left. So, Rodgers being Rodgers, I guess. And for the 49ers, you, you guys know where the ball is going. Everybody oh, yeah. and everybody knows where the ball is going. Put three guys on him if you have to. Who let <laughs> yeah. go let go let Marquez Valdez Scantling have the ball like just go straight through his hands or you know, try to make Alan Lazard or beat you. Like it's not gonna happen. Or like the ghost of Randall Cobb at this point. Like I <laughs> like it's like the one guy on the field beside Robert Tunyon who's really a threat down the field like that is in the receiving game and you let him catch the ball like it was his bad execution all around 
And then moving on to the final game of the week, Eagles and Dallas. Um, Not a lot to say about this game for me, but I, Josh, what do you think? That was an impressive win for the Cowboys. Once again, their O-line was dominant. I yeah. Just wait till, wait till they get Lyle Collins back. This isn't even going to be fair. Uh, Zeke and Tony Pollard were absolutely running wild on what's actually a very strong Philly D-line. Um, Dak was solid. Didn't really Wasn't really asked to make a lot of big throws in this game, but Dallas's defense really stood out to me. Trevon yeah. Diggs had a really strong game, locked down Devontae Smith. You know, it's a Heisman Trophy winner. That's no small task. Anthony exactly. Brown, Anthony Brown looks solid as well, but I like what I saw, but I'm, I'm very, very skeptical of them still. I don't necessarily think the Eagles have the greatest at pass catchers. So I'm, I'm still skeptical. Oh yeah. I think this game really showed that we uh, overrated Jalen Hurts after week one. I've been definitely one of the more uh, skeptic, bigger skeptics on Jalen Hurts. I think he has the ability. I think we're expecting it from him too soon in this, this type of game where, you know, we have a really good offense on the other side, which, I'm really impressed with the Cowboys uh, going to that more that like one, two tandem with Pollard really getting him more involved. I think that's really smart, but Miles Sanders had two carries. Like you have to do more than that. Like you can't expect to like, you don't have the offense to hang with the Cowboys in a shootout. The Cowboys defense is much improved. They're flying around. They have a lot of speed. You answer that with a good effective run game. And it feels like Sirianni never gave it a chance. No, that that that's fair. And especially since the Cowboys have so many injuries on their defensive line, they definitely should have tried to establish. It feels like they didn't even try to establish it. They abandoned it as soon as they got down 7 nothing, And then even when they tied the game 7-7 there, it just feels like after that, they completely abandoned it. And Jalen Hurts, again, is not a guy I feel like who's going to beat you with his arm. No, you see, he had nine carries in this game, only 35 yards. Like I said, that speed on Dallas's uh, back end and their linebacker core is no joke. And I feel like they didn't really give themselves a chance to win. Like their big, like while this game was still felt like a game to me, their biggest play was a strip sack on Dak. Like it wasn't really, didn't really come from the offensive side at all. All right. That will do it for our week three recap. Now we turn it forward to week four, what we, who we think is going to win. And we start with the Jaguars and Bengals on Thursday night. I'm going to take the Bengals here. Oh, yeah, I think this is going to be a close one. I think this is going to be Trevor's best game of the season. That's a pretty weak Bengals Bengals defense. But uh, yeah, I just like the Bengals offense too much. I think if especially if T Higgins is back this is back this week, I just can't see Jacksonville being able to stop these guys. Yeah, I'm actually with you. I I thought you were going to take Jacksonville for sure. It's hence my reaction. Um, I think it'll be a shootout. I think this this will be like the random really good Thursday night game we get this year because it always seems to be one with two like like so so to bad teams and i think the Bengals win in a shootout probably i'm thinking like 34 30 34 31 next game titans and jets uh josh tell me where you're going with this one you know what i'm gonna take the titans here but really? i think yes i think this will be a very yeah shocking i think <laughs> this will be a very close game especially oh. because aj brown has already been called week to week julio is definitely dealing with something so who are the titans gonna throw to anthony ferkser or Josh Reynolds, like, you know. Josh Reynolds, you're, you're a breakout candidate before they trade for Julio? It was going to happen, trust me. But, um, <laughs> uh, no, you know, I, I think this will be a close game. Tennessee, Tennessee has a very weak defense. I think this is Zach Wilson's best game of the season. Man, we're in the same vein right now, man. I have written down right here Tennessee and then brackets, but it's close. Um, I agree. I think at the very end, at the end, Titans are have too much high-end talent to lose this game, but I agree that defense will let the Jets stay in it. 
I just can't see them forcing the turnovers that the Jets have been having, and they'll have more success on offense overall. Uh, Detroit and at Chicago, what do you think, Josh? I'm going to take the Lions. Yeah, uh, they've been in every they've been in every single game this year, and uh, I think this is the week that they pull it out. They should have had it last week versus Baltimore. So yeah, give me the Lions here. The Bears showed me absolutely nothing last week. Yeah, I feel like this is the game that gets Matt Nagy fired. I think Detroit's going to win. It actually won't be that close. Um, I, you can feel the Lions really believe in Matt Campbell and what he's trying to do. You do not see that at all with the Bears. The Bears seem like a team, like a rudderless team right now. All they have really, all they have going for them right now is a couple of good players on defense: Allen Robinson, David Montgomery, and then the potential of Justin Fields. I'm interested to see what happens next year with the Bears with some of those pieces, but I think the season's already a lost cause for them now. Moving on to another game in the 10 a.m. slate, Colts at Dolphins. Josh, what you got? This is this is a tough one. This is a yeah, really tough, I agree. This is a very tough one. I, I think I'm going to go with the Dolphins here. Yeah, okay. I, I like what they showed against the Raiders last week. Carson Wentz is still on two bum ankles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think the Dolphins defense has definitely a better showing this week. Give me the Dolphins. Um, I have the Colts in this game, actually. I feel like their defense for the Colts at least, um, showed enough flashes to me, especially in that Rams game. They kind of stepped up when it, that game had it was in danger of really slipping away for them. I think they make enough plays against Brissett, keep everything in front of them. And the and I feel like this is the type of game where Wentz can be Wentz and it won't have super adverse effects. Um, I just The Dolphins' D to this point hasn't shown a lot, especially in the pass rushing uh, department where I think they'll be able to contain Wentz He'll be allowed to wait four seconds to throw the ball, and they'll Michael Pittman will make a couple plays, and they'll probably win by like four or five. Moving on to a sneaky good game for me, Browns and Vikings. Yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Browns here. Yeah, I I just think they're too they're just too solid of a team. Um, I don't think Dalvin Cook will be back this week. What I've heard is it might be a mild to high ankle sprain, so I expect yeah, those them are to tough be able, as a running back. Yeah, I expect them to be able to shut down the running game pretty well this game. So. Um, yeah, I don't like that Viking defense at all, even though they had an impressive showing against Russ last week. Uh, give me the Browns. Um, I have the Vikings in an upset. This is probably my biggest upset this week, I'd say. Um, I just like what the Vikings are doing in the passing game right now. Um, if they It's, it's kind of contingent on them limiting Miles Garrett in that pass rush. I feel like there's, the Browns are a little bit up and down right now. I think they'll sort that out down the stretch, but I think this is a prime game for them to kind of get uh, jumped up on and the Vikings take advantage. Moving on to Atlanta, where Washington's coming to town. Joshua, you got? I'm going to take the Falcons here. I don't like the way Wash. I don't like the way Washington's played at all. I think uh, I think Calvin Ridley breaks out this game, and uh, yeah, I'm going to take Matt Ryan over Taylor Heineke for sure. Interesting. I have Washington. I feel like uh, Heineke last week was trying to match um josh allen play for play and that's not what washington needs that's not heineke's game i think they really put the ball in their playmakers hands and it's enough for them to win i i think it'll be close i think the falcons will uh also have success against this uh, defense because it hasn't really shown much thus far but i think washington wins in the end up in buffalo uh houston's coming to town josh what you got yeah, I'm gonna take. Uh, I'm gonna take the Texans. Actually, no, just kidding. No. Okay, I was like, hold no. on. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, Josh, give me Josh Allen and the Bills easily. Yeah, I want to say here. Um, if hey, I would give it 
maybe a moment if Terod Taylor was in, but uh, Davis Mills, he played oh, he played pretty well against Carolina. I don't think he'll continue that success here. Well, hey, uh, you know what? The spread on this game is 16 and a half. I, I think the Texans cover that. Oh, this isn't college football. You have to take the team that's getting 16 and a half. That's just, if you bet the bills here, that's not smart money. Like that might, like they sure they might blow the game open, but you leave yourself open for the backdoor cover super easily at that, at that, at those points. Yeah. I mean, Davis Mills was very impressive versus that elite Carolina D I, I could see this being maybe a, maybe a seven, 10 point game. I, I, I can't see any way that they beat them by 16 and a half. Well, like, even if they're down by 20 and then at the very end, they score a touchdown. Like there's, it's, there's a lot of pass for them to cover in this game. So yeah, I feel like the smart move would be the Texans, at least in the betting market, not straight up in new are Are um, the Saints playing in new Orleans this week? Do you know? I believe they are. Oh, wow. Uh, that uh, strengthens my pick for sure. The giants are coming to new Orleans to play the, the Saints home opener officially. What do you think? A part of me wants to just take the giants here. I keep thinking that offense is just going to break out. I feel like there's enough talent on it to it hap- to where it's going to happen. And I just really don't trust Jameis Winston, to be honest with you. I keep banking on Saquon breaking out, and I'm hoping it happens. I'm not overly optimistic against this defense, but I just don't – I have no faith in Jameis Winston whatsoever. I'm going to take the Giants. Um, I think the Saints, the way I see this game playing out is that balanced attack again. They like Some ball control early from the Saints – the Giants get behind like 10 points. And they start forcing the issue. And Daniel Jones isn't that guy if he's forcing the issue to overcome a lot. You might see a couple turnovers. And I think the Saints kind of win going away at the end. KC looks to get right in Philadelphia against the Eagles. I think I know where you're going, but Josh, what do you got? Yeah, KC. There's absolutely no yeah. way they're losing this game. They are not starting the season one and three. KC easily, especially after what Philly's showing me against Dallas last week. Man, even if Casey had won against the Chargers last week, I'd still pick them. But uh, pissed off Patrick Mahomes and co. going to the Eagles where they just gave up 41 to the Cowboys. And the Chiefs are one of the few offenses with more talent, I'd say, than the Cowboys. So it might be 50 this game. Who knows? And uh, even though the Chiefs um, defense is not very good, I don't really I haven't seen enough from the Eagles to say they take advantage of that. Um as, a potential good game, last game of the uh, 10 a.m. slate. Panthers are going to Dallas, the Jerry World, to visit the Cowboys. Josh, what do you think? I'm going to take the Cowboys. Uh, Carolina with no CMC. Really like what Dallas showed, especially on defense last week. Uh, I'm a little I'm a little less optimistic that they played this, that well this week, especially facing DJ Moore, facing Robbie Anderson, facing Terrace Marshall. But I think the Cowboys are going to put up enough points in this game. And I think they're going to continue to be able to pound the rock. Um, I think this is a pretty big game for the Cowboys in this respect. I feel like it's in past years where they've had this, this level of hype around them, that this will be the type of game that they kind of a letdown game that they lose a game. They should win. Um, so there's that potential. I'm still going to take Dallas, but Hey, if Sam Darnold plays as well as he's shown thus far, especially those first two weeks, who knows this game might be close, but too much talent of the Cowboys right now to really, uh, really pick against them moving on to an nfc west some some might say the nfc best matchup seahawks versus 49ers josh who do you got i have to take the 49ers until that seattle defense tells me otherwise i have to take the 49ers here i don't want to have to bet against russell wilson going one and three but that defense i just you cannot trust them 
I never had any reason to pick the Seahawks, but I did. Only for that reason, I don't think they go one and three. They can't. Russell Wilson will will them to this game, I think. Uh, the 49ers, like I said in, the, in our analysis of the Green Bay game, I just don't think that they're as good as that score indicated. A lot of things broke right for them, and I have a feeling the Seahawks win a close one. And plus, it's a divisional matchup between these two especially. It always gets a little bit weird. So I see the Seahawks winning this game on the road. And then on to the other NFC West matchup, the Cardinals, the 3-0 Cardinals going to visit the 3-0 Rams. Josh, what you got? Yeah, give me the Rams. I didn't like at all what I saw from the Cardinals on offense last week. And if that's against Jacksonville, I just can't wait to see what he'll do against Aaron Donald. Yeah, give me, give me, give me the Rams. And I don't think this is actually going to be that close of a game. Yeah, I'm not sure what the line is at now, but I think it was open at like six and a half. Line is, is four, four and a half right now. Really? I don't want to see if it gets down to three and a half, I might take the Rams. Um, straight up like the Rams. Uh, the Cardinals love the big play. I don't think they're patient enough on offense still. And the Rams, that's the one thing they do really well is they take away the run and they really limit the big play. They make you nickel and dime them all down the field. I don't think that's Kyler's game. And I think the Rams offense is too potent right now for the Cardinals defense to stop them. Moving on to a late afternoon game, Steelers and Packers in Lambeau. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I have to take Green Bay here. The Steelers, yeah. the Steelers are just a train wreck right now. I, I have to take Green Bay. They were able to pick apart that San, that elite San Francisco defense pretty well. So, uh, yeah, give me Aaron Rodgers over Ben any day of the week. Absolutely. Sure, the Packers defense hasn't looked that great thus far, especially their pass defense. The rush defense has actually been all right. The Steelers don't have the passing game to take advantage. They don't. Um, I, all I think about right now is like the Steelers are about to go what one and three after they lose this game. I, I see. I see a lot of Steelers fans on Twitter who are adamant that they're gonna be they're gonna win the division again. And it was very clear from the middle of the offseason when like the Castro retired, they don't address the position in the any positions on the O line in the draft. That this wasn't this was just how it was gonna play out. Najee Harris can't solve every problem. Neither can a backup tight end that you drafted the second round. I think this the Packers from going or going away here. A back. This is probably my. Or I wouldn't say game of the week. There's, it's a really good matchup though. Ravens and Broncos. Yeah, I'm gonna take Denver. I just don't like the way the Ravens have played at all. Uh, you saw Hollywood Brown drop three touchdowns last week. Um, I think. I think. I just don't think the Ravens have the pass catchers. I think Denver has such an elite secondary, such an elite just defense, top to bottom. And I really don't like how the Ravens. Honestly, I don't like the the way the Ravens have played on D, and that's usually always their strong point. You saw DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams run wild on them. Yeah. I think. I think Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon run wild on this defense. And yeah, I think Teddy's been good enough. Uh, yeah, give me the Broncos. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm taking the Broncos as well. Um, it took a 66-yard field goal to beat the Lions. The Broncos, D is no joke. And uh, like, I don't think Marquise Brown will have the opportunity to drop two touchdowns in this game. Uh, it just won't come to that. I think the Broncos win by more than a touchdown. I just think their their offense has the right formula going, and their their defense is playing excellent, which is not surprising considering that not only like the front like the front seven, that secondary is so deep. Moving on to maybe the most anticipated regular season game of NFL history. Buccaneers, Tom Brady, going back to Foxborough, Gillette Stadium to play Billy B and the New England Patriots. Uh, people are in for a big letdown in this game. Because oh, absolutely. I'm telling people right now it will not be close. 
Tampa will absolutely wipe the floor with Mac Jones. Um, yeah. yeah, Tom Brady and the Bucks easily. We saw what the Saints did to Mac Jones last week. Multiply that by 10. Yeah, assuming they get back AB and JPP, they're going to get after Mac Jones. I mean, a pissed off Tom Brady. You never want to be on the other end of that, and that's what the Patriots are about to get. And, uh, yeah, I think this is the Bucks by, like, 20-plus. This game's not going to be close. This probably, if there wasn't for the Buccaneers-Patriots, this probably be game of the week. Raiders going to L.A. to play the Chargers. Yeah, I also don't think this will be a particularly close game. Give me Justin Herbert. The Raiders got to come really? back down. Yeah, the Raiders got to come back down to earth eventually. I don't trust that defense at all. They are one of the most fraudulent 3-0 and teams I've ever seen. So, yeah, after what I saw from Justin Herbert last week, I can't pick against them. Absolutely not. Chargers easily. Well, here's the thing. First of all, I feel bad for the Chargers. Their home opener and their second home game are against the two teams that are going to uh, completely invade their SoFi Stadium. I mean, the, that stadium's going to be all black on, on Monday night. Like, let's be real. Um, yeah, I mean, I have the Raiders in this game. Uh, the Chargers beat the Chiefs by six when they had no turnovers. And the Casey turned it over four times. Those type of results, I guess I get it. Casey's a top-tier team. You can't expect that to happen every game. I think the Raiders thus far have been really smart with the football. And I think that shows and like more of a lower a lower scoring game than I think a lot of people are expecting. But I think the Raiders come out on top. And you know what? Part of it might be biased because I want the Raiders to just absolutely fall flat on their face. So Mike Mayock maybe accelerates <laughs> maybe accelerates Mike Mayock's departure. But uh no, I, I just can't see that happening. But hey, I respect the boldness there. I mean, that's like the weirdest reasoning for a team to lose ever. <laughs> you called them the most fraudulent 3-0 and team of all time with the ulterior motive that you want Mike Mayock fired to go back to the NFL Network. But, uh, hey, I mean, the Chargers are a good team. They've shown so thus far, but I think the Raiders – Raiders are for real this year. I, you know what? The, if Raiders fans out there, if you guys know what's good for you, listen, listen to me. Root for you guys to fall flat on your face. Mike Mayock is the worst thing that has ever happened to this franchise. He has probably the worst drafting record I've ever seen. He's got to be one of the worst GMs in the history of the league. Oh, yeah. I think they should fire him anyway, but I think the Raiders are still good, despite him. I don't care if they somehow go undefeated and win the Super Bowl. I'm still firing him before the draft. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm still with you there. I don't think you understand. I agree that Mike Mayock isn't good, but I think this Raiders team is good. A lot of these personnel that's there were there before Mike Mayock and it shows because they're pretty good. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're split on this game, but I think you're like deep down or like a closet Raiders fan. Cause you really want what's best for them. I do. And what is best for them is Mike Mayock gone. Just hi- <laughs> You know what? Just hire me as your guys. Just hire me and normal as you guys as co-GMs. I can do it, get do it remotely. I can guarantee you we would not have taken Cleveland Farrell over Josh Allen, we would not have taken Henry Ruggs over Judy and CeeDee Lamb, and we would not have drafted Damon Arnett and Jonathan Abram in the first round. That I mean, that's not hard. I mean, anybody could have done that. But and I agree. I, Pay us millions of dollars to do a job that we can do average and still be way better than the uh, person who was there before. And, I, and we both would not have rated Alex Leatherwood over Penny Sewell. Yeah, that, that was that was the story. that's the most egregious of them all. 
like I, what was the point of that like let's be like like looking back at that what was the point of like i get it you want to put like you want to instill confidence in the guy you drafted but like i don't think that that Alex Leatherwood was overly worried about how he stacked up pre-draft to I, I don't know. I, I think they just thought, oh, yeah, let's, you know, give our fans, like, some confidence that this guy's a player and everything, but it backfired. It, everyone just saw, like, how stupid you are and how stupid your rankings are, you know, and I how mean, bad you are at talent evaluation. If you look back, I think that not this doesn't get a, enough play, but he always had one mock draft every year for the NFL Network, and – it wasn't good. And it also came out the day of the draft or the day before. So nobody would really pay attention to it because we're already caught up in the actual draft. So I don't think this is a surprise because he's always been been against the grain. And it, we're showing it's showing now how wrong he's been. Do you think Mayock could come on our podcast? Probably not. Uh, let's invite him. <laughs> I, got, I got a few questions I got to ask. Hey, you, you write that email. All right. All right. Well, too. Well, too. <laughs> You you contact Raiders PR and this send them this episode without this last like five minutes in it. Oh no, I will send him actually just this last five minutes in it. I want to <laughs> I want to hear the guy defend his record. Hey, I loved him on TV. That, that's all I'll say. I'll say something nice to close it out for him. All right, that's been another episode of the First and Thirty Two podcast. We are thinking in the coming weeks of doing a Sunday morning live show, so stay tuned for that. But uh, expect us next week to break it down week four and look forward to week five. Thanks for listening.